Somebody say glory. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what. I feel the joy of the Lord in my heart tonight. I really do. I hope you feel the joy of God also. Don't allow the world to rob you of your joy. Amen. Don't allow the devil to steal your victory. Praise God. We are victorious and more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That's who we are. He made us conquerors. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I am so excited. Hallelujah. I kid you not. It's been four weeks today that I had my surgery, and I'm telling you, I'm feeling so good. Now, I thought I felt good two weeks ago, but tonight, I feel great, sister. Amen. Andrea, you know what it is? Hallelujah. Praise God. I've been cut up, chopped up, pin cushioned. I'll tell you what, but I'll tell you, I feel really good. I thank God for the proficiency and the skill of these physicians. Amen. And you know, some people don't know, you know, my doctor's name, you know what my doctor's name was? Dr. Aft, A-F-T, like in the back, hallelujah, like ship, you know, forward and aft, Dr. Aft, hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. Well, Dr. Aft was working on my front, hallelujah, and putting me back together again, hallelujah. But I'm in good shape, Sister Switzer, hallelujah, and God is still on the throne. I'm excited. Praise the name of the Lord. I think I'm better than I used to be before, Brother Court, Brother, Brother Courtney. <laughs> Brother Nick, Sister Courtney, hallelujah. I'm all messed up. I'm tongue twisted. I'm just full of joy. You know, when you get so happy, you just, you just can't get the joy out of your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the way it is. We got some great news to share. Before I dismiss the youth, I uh, just want to share with you that uh, we will have a, a board of trustees meeting immediately after church. I will try to cut the Bible study short tonight. Uh, because of that meeting, we have some important documents to sign. We, to this afternoon, took possession of the building next door to us. It's paid for. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Chuck and I went up to uh, Town and Country Title, signed the paperwork, got the keys, amen, got the documents. Hallelujah. And we're looking forward to the next step, and then we're working on the next bill. Now, today we also got word that, uh, that the loan board uh, from UPCI Loan Fund approved our loan. Amen. So we could go to the next step. There's some more work to do. And hallelujah, the next step will be taking possession of that. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just rejoicing in that. And God is just so good to us. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Youth, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Have a good class. Let the Holy Ghost you know, move in your midst. Amen. I hope everybody gets refilled with the Holy Ghost tonight in there. Well, come on. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. Amen. You know, there's an old song. You know, Andrea, you know that old song? <laughs> oh, come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table anytime. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. Come and dine, sing it again. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. One more time. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table all the time. Feast multitude, turn the water into wine. Who the hungry calleth now, come and dine. Are oh, you ready to eat? Hallelujah. Are you ready to eat the word of God? Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. We serve a wonderful God, and uh, He wants us to be filled with joy. Amen. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. And I want to continue a little bit on that thought that I begin talking to you about on Sunday. John 15, 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be full, might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. That your joy might be full. Amen. I don't know uh, what your feelings are about this election. A lot of people are upset, and uh, some rightly so. 
Uh, but you know what? I'm not looking at this world. I, I, I have my own emotions. I have my own feelings. But honestly, I'm not tied to this. I'm above it. I really am. I, I, I feel that way. I, I just feel exhilarated in God. Uh, and that's what joy is. I've, I've talked about that Sunday morning. It's, it's uh, an exhilaration of our well-being in God. It's a right standing in Him. And uh, I'm so glad I preached that message Sunday morning because you know what? I was preaching it to myself. Hallelujah. I was preaching to myself. And little did I know that I would need it today. Little did I know that I wouldn't need it yesterday, Brother Jeff. Hallelujah. Amen. That's just the way it is. got to rise above it, folks. Listen, the world is going down. And we're going up. And the last time I looked, the United States of America is part of the world. Huh? Is it? Or isn't it? The world's got an appointment with destiny. And it's not pretty. And there's only one way out. And that's Jesus. That hasn't changed. For us, Jesus is the only ticket out of here. Praise God. And I'm so glad I bought the ticket. I'm so glad I bought the thing. You know, the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. You can't make it out of this world without truth. And you better make sure that you've got a hold of truth. And you better make sure that you have sold out to the truth. The truth are nothing but the truth, so help you God. Because it's important. Without truth, we cannot be free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Not set you free, make you free. That's creative power. I keep saying it all the time. I keep repeating it until it's embedded and takes deep root in your mind that you understand that the truth doesn't set anybody free. It has creative power. If you recognize truth for what it is and you apply it to your life, it has the potential to make you, to recreate you into his image and into somebody that you're not right now. See, when Jesus called us, he called us with his truth. And he called us to look at ourselves honestly and truthfully, to analyze ourselves, to see how we measure up to him. And we see the truth that we're not as good as we thought that we were. And he finally humbles us and we come to God and say, you know what? I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm not as holy and righteous as I thought I was. I need God. I need his help. Because if I don't have his help and his mercy, I'm lost. It helps us to come to an altar of repentance and recognize our shortcomings. But the good news is that's when God's mercy reaches out to us because of his love for us and because his grace provided for us to be reconciled to him. We can have a great relationship and we can have that joy because when we are peace in him, when we reconcile ourselves, our sinful selves, to a holy, righteous God, that we are at peace and there comes great joy as a result. Joy is a byproduct of that. Amen. And uh, when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's just filling us above and beyond the brim even. Hallelujah. For it's the fullness of joy that God wants you and I to have. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, hallelujah. This Sunday, I talked to you a little bit about what joy was, that feeling of well-being. It's that exhilaration of, of being right with God. And uh, I talked to you about several verses uh, about what the Bible says about joy. Uh, The Bible tells us in Psalm 1611 that in his presence there's fullness of joy. There's joy in his word. John 15, 11. The things I have spoken unto you, his word. I I spoke these things to you, that your joy might remain in you and that that your joy might be full. There's joy in the Holy Ghost, Romans 14, 17. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22. There is joy in winning a soul, Psalms 126, 5 through 6. There's joy in salvation, Isaiah 12, 3. There's joy in worship, Psalm 132, verse 16. There's joy even amidst a famine. We read from Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. And uh, there is joy in the middle of persecution, Acts 13, 50 through 52. 
The Bible says, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them, hallelujah, out of their coasts or out of their city limits. But they, look how they responded, Paul and Barnabas. They shook off the dust from off their feet against them and came unto Iconium, went to another town. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Well, wait a minute. I thought they were supposed to feel dejected simply because they were rejected. And oh, my, they didn't like me. They didn't like my message. They didn't like, you know, what I witnessed about Jesus Christ. Oh, poor me, me, my poor little. You know, that's exactly what the devil wants you and I to be like. To tuck tail and run, hallelujah, and, and lose our our joy, and lose our identity in Christ. Listen, just because they rejected you does not mean that you're lost, and you're, that you lost your identity in Christ. Jesus was rejected. Do you think that he went and tucked tail and said, oh, I'm not the son of God, I guess, because people rejected me. Oh, no, no, he showed us what to do. You, got, you do whatever you have to do. Go to another place. Go to some place that will hear you. Look for the person that will listen to you. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Hallelujah. And so uh, the Bible says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that's what God expects you and I to be as we're walking in this world below. You know, the, the elections may not have gone the way you felt it should have gone. But it doesn't matter. Hallelujah. Your joy should still be full. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not who won and who lost. It's the Holy Ghost and His presence in your life. That is your joy. That is our salvation. That is our power. That is our strength. That is our courage. That is our boldness. That is our identity. It's the power of the Holy Ghost in operation in us. Because when the trumpet sounds, it's going to come down to that. Do I have the Holy Ghost or don't I? Am I full of the Spirit or do I just got a drop? Because you know what happened to the five foolish virgins whose oil was lacking. Huh, they couldn't go out and meet the bride. They couldn't find oil in time, amen, to, to be there and meet the groom when he came. And listen, when the trumpet sounds, you won't have time to come to an altar to pray through. You won't even have time to go in your own prayer closet at home if you got one to pray through there. Why? Because it's going to be too late. I pray to God that we never lose our joy and we never lose that Holy Ghost through which we get that joy and we maintain it. Hallelujah. The Bible also says in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 that there's joy in the middle of fiery trials. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when the glory, his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Hallelujah. Now, you think you got joy right now, just wait till the trumpet sounds and his glory appears and we come to meet him up in the clouds and you talk about joy. You talk about celebration. Hallelujah. You talk about victory. Be more than anybody winning the Super Bowl. There's more joy there than somebody winning the World Series in baseball. It's more joy there than somebody winning the Soccer World Cup or the Euro Cup. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I love watching the Euro Cup. Hallelujah. I, I hate to say it, but I, there's some sports I really, I really love soccer. Isn't that right, Brother J.R.? Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We're old soccer-watching buddies. Thank you, Jesus. And whether the World Cup and the Euro Cup comes every four years, it is staggering. You know, two years, it's the Euro Cup. Another two years, it's the, it's, the, it's the World Cup. Hallelujah. And we find someplace where we've got a big screen. And we used to go to Smoky Bones and get all the free peach tea that they would serve us. And a bunch of us guys would get together and root for Italy or whoever's playing, France or whatever. Amen. We used to have a good time. Praise God. But I guarantee you, when the trumpet sounds, our joy is going to be a whole lot more than whatever joy you experience down here from any ball game or any sporting event. Amen. Whatever you think that the greatest joy you experienced your life was, there will be no joy compared to the one that you will experience when the trumpet sounds and you get in the presence of Jesus Christ and you see him face to face. Amen. And I have to tell you, no matter what condition you find yourself in tonight, you may be sick in body, you may be discouraged, you may be depressed, 
it does not mean that you have to lose your joy. It doesn't mean that your joy has to be absent from you simply because your bodily and emotional circumstances don't allow for it, or you think they don't allow for it. Joy, in many ways, is an attitude. It's an attitude. Hallelujah. And this is one of the first observations I want to make to you tonight about the seven things, the seven observations about joy. Joy comes having the right attitude. Amen. Most people never experience that kind of continual and lasting joy. It's depressing. Why? Because their brain is really swamped with a lot of negative thinking. If you see somebody's got a difficulty with joy, it's because they're constantly thinking negative things. I think the Bible has a lot to say about that. This is why I believe now, that is not even in my notes. But if you go to uh, uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4 and uh, verse uh, 8, finally, brethren, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, good report, virtuous, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. Those are the things. God tells us, don't think on negative things. Whatsoever things are good, it's virtuous, it's praise, hallelujah, it's things that are uplifting. Think on these things. Why? Because if you keep your attitude right, you will never lose your joy. And the problem is, this world tries to fill you with a bunch of negative thoughts. The world's trying to rob you of contentment. And peace. But Jesus died to give us joy and peace and contentment. Hallelujah. We're not of this world. We're in this world, but not of this world. This world is not our hope. It's not our destiny. It's someplace beyond the blue. Amen. I'm going there. You're going there. If you make it your point, if you make it your destination, and you can have that joy that goes along with it. It doesn't matter what you're going on through down here. You can still have that joy. But you cannot swamp your brain in, in, in negativity and think that you're going to end up positive. It doesn't work that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you know, a lot of times, negative thoughts come out your mouth. How do you know when somebody's that, well, just listen to them talk. Hallelujah. There's a man I quoted before, Viktor Frankl. He's a, a Viennese psychologist. He created what's called the Third School of Psychology. I know Sister, Sister Melissa probably knows all about him. Amen. He's a survivor of the uh, Second World War Holocaust. He's a Jewish psychologist. And uh, he, he uh, really uh, based a lot of his uh, theories also on uh, the, the, the theories of Sigmund Freud. Uh, but he, he observed human behavior under the most intense and cruelest circumstances in concentration camps. And you heard me refer to him before because he had some very interesting uh, observations concerning vision, the importance of vision and mission, that, that the people in the concentration camps who, who felt that they had something to live for yet, that, that, that they have to live for, and they, they can't just die. They're not going to give up because there's something they've got to yet accomplish. And they have a vision past the present. Amen. That those are the ones that tended to survive the harshness of the Holocaust, all the deprivations and the starvation and, and the persecutions and the, and the beatings and, and all those things that worked against them physically and mentally and emotionally. Those people that had a vision, they, they survived. They survived. And those that, uh, that, that had this, 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 this vision of purpose and a mission that they, they've got something yet uh, to do that is left undone. And those are also people that make it. And then one of the other things that, that, that he observed and found to be true, at least in his studies, what, was that the ultimate freedom of man is his right to choose his attitude. I think that has, there's a lot of truth in that. We have incredible amounts of freedom, even under an oppressive society. I watched it under communism. I watched people who lived under that. Of course, you know, I was born into it. I lived under communism for the first eight years of my life. I went back as an adult and watched and, and, and worked among people in the churches who, who lived under the oppressive system. And, and there were many people who, who, had, who had fullness of joy, people who lived for God. And it didn't matter that they were in an oppressive society. Why? Because they had the human freedom 
And that choice, that ultimate choice of choosing an attitude. Amen. And that's very important for us to learn, especially in the coming days. Amen. As, we're, as our time is winding down and Jesus is coming soon. We've got to choose our attitude, folks. We've got to make up our mind that we're going to be full of joy. We're going to be full of the Holy Ghost. We've got to be content. Hallelujah. We're not going to be complainers. We're not going to fill our minds with negativity. Even though we may have reason to be negative, we may have be, we could be justified in feeling down and feeling bad. You know what? But we have to contramend us somehow and choose an attitude of positivity. Amen. Say, well, I might be down, but I'm not out. Hallelujah. I might be hurting, but I'm not dead. I may be sick, but it's not over. There's hope. I have a healer. I know his name is Jesus. There is always hope. Praise the name of the Lord. For by his stripes we were healed. I'm going to confess what he promises and not what the doctor says. I will take into consideration what they say. Amen. Doctors are smart, but their smartness and their wisdom only goes so far. And when our wisdom comes so far, that's where God comes in. And we've got to give him due consideration. And that's what faith is all about. We've got to choose our attitude. Hallelujah. And positivity, positive attitude is one. But do you know that faith is also an attitude? And I, should, I would dare say that's a positive attitude. Amen. By faith. Hallelujah. By faith I see the victory ahead. Remember that? Victory ahead. Victory ahead. Through the blood of Jesus, victory ahead. I hear the conqueror's thread. By faith I see the victory ahead. We used to sing that years ago. We ought to sing that again. By faith I see the victory ahead. I'm talking about a positive attitude of looking beyond my present circumstance and claiming victory by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's what Holy Ghost people should be like. Hallelujah. It should be positive. Paul said this in Philippians 4.11. I've learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And that's what continual joy brings. It brings good and positive thoughts which results in contentment. When you see the positive side of things, when you look at the glass half full instead of half empty, it makes all the difference in the world and how you feel. Hallelujah. And so make sure that you choose the right attitude. That goes a long way in maintaining your joy. Now, joy can be said, uh, the second observation I want to make is that joy can come by finding things. Luke chapter 15, Jesus talks about this, uh, about the shepherd and uh, uh, who, uh, who lost one sheep. And uh, let me just read it to you, verse 4, Luke 15, 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Hallelujah. You know, when you lose something and you find it, there's great joy. I can tell you there's something I lost in my home not too long ago. And Sister Annie, I cannot find it. It is a heirloom from my great-grandmother. Uh, and it, it, she's a survivor of the, of the Holocaust. And it is a ring, and it's supposed to be ruby. And I had it, and I kept it in, in a special place for years, Sister Switzer. And all of a sudden, it's just gone. I can't find it. And I can tell you, I have searched my house up and down. I have looked in every nook and cranny. I looked in corners. I looked in my vacuum cleaner, for crying out loud. So thinking maybe I must have sucked it up and didn't realize, you know, hear it clinking when it just went through the vacuum. But, you know, I'll tell you this. If I found it, I'd, I'd be full of joy. I can tell you right now. All right. It, it's an earthly thing. It's something small. But it, it's not the jewel. It is the connection to my great-grandmother going back a long time. And when I touch it, you know, it's a tangible thing that links me directly to my ancestors. And so to me, it has great emotional value of nothing else, if you please, you know. It doesn't, it doesn't really affect my joy in God and, and, and my, my positive attitude. 
hallelujah. But, but I'm saddened over it. I, I am. I, I wish I could find it. I mean, I'm not going to take it with me to heaven. I guarantee you there will be a lot more priceless things in heaven than that, that, that little ring of ruby. Hallelujah. And if I don't find it, okay, I'm good with it. Maybe God didn't want me to have it. Huh? Hmm, could be. You realize some things that you lose, it's because God doesn't want you to have it? Sometimes it's good to leave it where it lies. But uh, Luke in 15 said, Jesus talking about the, the one sheep that goes uh, from 100 and, and, and the shepherd goes after that one which was lost. And when he finds it, wow, I can imagine that, that, that joy. The Bible also talks about how that, that there's joy in heaven among the angels for one that, sinner that comes and repents. That one sheep that comes back to the fold. One that comes back who was backslidden. Hallelujah. There's joy in heaven. And I think there's joy in the family of God when we see somebody repent. There's joy in the family of God when we see somebody get baptized in Jesus' name. We all rejoice when somebody's being filled with the Holy Ghost speaking other tongues. Amen. We're, amen. We're, we're rejoicing, whether it's young or old, when, when, when God adds somebody new to the family. It's just like in a physical sense. You got a new baby in the family. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. What joy. Hallelujah. And I'm going to have great joy next June, sister, when my new grandbaby arrives. <laughs> hallelujah. Amy's pregnant again. Huh? Grandma. Grandma, that's right. Grandbabies are better. Amen. If we knew better, we'd have them first, right? <laughs> ah, amen. We just uh, unfortunately don't work that way. Praise God. But anyway, uh, I, I love my kids and I love my grandbabies. I wouldn't trade any of them. But there's a joy when there's a new birth in the family. And same thing in the spiritual sense in the church of God. I, I, I know that, that, that there's such joy that we've all experienced when somebody's born again of the water and the spirit and, and comes and to be part of the family of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. There's, there's joy when you find a new job. When you've been out of, uh, out of employment for a while, and all of a sudden, ah, praise God. There's joy when you've been sick, and all of a sudden you're healed. I tell you what, I was full of joy when I came up here, and on Wednesday night, Thursday night, I can't remember which night, it was a midweek service. And Brother Switzer was teaching Bible study, and I've been suffering with a back pain for 14 years, and I was, about, I was facing surgery, and I came down for prayer. Brother Switzer anointed him with oil, and after 14 years of pain, and many times having to walk with a cane and hardly be able to, you know, get in and out of my car, just walking, amen, like I was 110 years old. I'm serious. And God healed me instantly, right here, in the front of the church, right there. And I told you before, I never saw the lightning flash. I didn't hear the thunder roll. I didn't hear a voice that said, Thou art healed. No. There was that still small voice. It wasn't a voice. I, I, I don't know what. All I can describe it is I knew instantly without a shadow of a doubt that I was healed. That was October 1985. And here I am, what, 35 years later? Healed. Praise God. You talk about joy. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I didn't have to wear a brace anymore. I could throw my canes away. Every time my back would go out, I wouldn't have to worry about pulling myself out of the car. Amen. And try to hold on to things, to, to, to get out and, and try to walk normally. And I was just in my 20s. You talk about joy. Woo. I know God is a healer. There's joy when God answers prayer. There's joy when we find a job that we didn't have. There's joy when God blesses us with a blessing we didn't expect. Hallelujah. God knows how to give us that joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But joy comes when we find things. The third thing that I want to mention is an observation about joy. That joy many times comes in creating things. What happened in creation when God did. In Job 38, verse 4 through 7, it says this. Uh, of course, this is God after a long discourse, as you know. Uh, after a long sickness, he's, he's preaching to Job. He says, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof? If thou knowest, or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? 
And who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens first. He created the angels first. And when he went on and created all the other things of creation, day one, two, three, four, five, six, and the rest are on the seventh. The Bible says at one point, he, God refreshed himself. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what the refreshing one was? The moving of God's spirit. Mm. Hallelujah. Aside from that, the Bible says that when God created, the angels sang for joy. But God said, let there be light. And, and angels go, whoa, praise God. Woo! Did you see that? Huh? And God said, let there be sun and a moon, a larger light and a smaller light. And they go, whoa, did you see that? Wow. And angels go, huh? Isn't that cool? And they just watch it. What, what else is coming? What else is coming up? And then day seven, you know, the Bible says God created man. He formed Adam. They go, watch him. And when God blows the breath of life, and man becomes a living being, and angels go, whoa, hallelujah, holiness to God. Praise be to our God. The Bible said they were singing for joy. They were singing for joy. And God told Job, where were you when I did all that? And the sons of God, they all sang for joy. Hallelujah. You know, there's joy when you create something. When God gives you inspiration and breathes on you and you write a new song, or when you create something with your hands, hallelujah, when you put together as a carpenter something or when you're you know, where you're, you're a sculptor of, 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 of clay. Sister Laura used to do that kind of stuff. Amen. You, I still got that, that little stork, you know, that you made for Amy. And it says 37 years ago coming uh, this uh, November 26th. Amy's birthday is on Thanksgiving this year. Amen. My little short blondie, the nurse practitioner. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and now she's having the baby. Amen. Hallelujah. I still got the ceramic little thing. Hey, man, but that brought joy in creating something like that. And, and many times, you know, when, when, you, when you write a poem, well, my daughter, the youngest one, Sonia, wrote a beautiful poem about being a mother. I shared it with some of you. I'll tell you what, I had printed that out, put it in a frame, took it back to her in Britain. I said, man, this belongs on the wall. It is fabulous. Oh, my goodness. One of these days I have to share it with you. But did I share it with you already? I can't remember. Anyway, but the point is, there's this joy that comes in creating things. And that's why I think, where's Sister Ruth? She here? Oh, there she is. Oh, hiding behind the stuff. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Ruth, for standing. I didn't see you back here. And uh, she's sitting down working the video. Hallelujah. But, you know, there's a painting party coming up uh, in a few Saturdays. And uh, you know what? Why do people... You know, enjoy coming together and do that. You know why? Because it brings a certain amount of joy when you're creating something. I'm putting the paints and the right order and the color, and, and you've got a, a painting you want to create. Some people really enjoy that. That's okay. Hallelujah. Whatever sustains your joy that is so good, whether it's a song, whether it's building something or drawing something, amen, hallelujah, it's important. It's important to maintain that attitude of joy. Now, the fourth thing I want you to notice about joy is that there are joy, there's joy when you set goals that aligns with God's purpose. When you set goals for yourself and you accomplish things that are in God's will and His corner's purpose. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, setting a goal always comes with a price, a price that you have to be willing to pay in order to achieve your goal. But the Bible is very clear in telling us that when Jesus was on the cross, he was able to endure that cross because he had a vision of the joy that it will, it will bring in the end. And he rejoiced in that. He rejoiced in knowing how many millions of people will be ransomed from a devil's hell and will have the opportunity to live with God throughout eternity. 
And the Bible said that gave him strength. That joy was so strong in Jesus that despite of his bloody back, despite that his insides and his ribs were showing from the shredded skin, despite of the thorn, the crown of thorns on his head and blood falling down his eyes, despite of his thirst, despite of his dying breath, amen, he was able to have joy and on Calvary knowing of what his suffering is going to produce in the end. And it's not just the church. It's also beyond that. It's seeing the new heaven and the new earth. Woo, hallelujah. If you think the new earth, uh, that God created the, the old earth, uh, amen, when he was talking about in, to Job in uh, Job 38, and he said, when the sons of God rejoice, hallelujah, in the morning, uh, amen, with joy rejoicing at creation, imagine what it's going to be like when a new heaven and a new earth. The new heaven and the new earth is going to be there, and you're going to be there to rejoice as well. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Joy. When you set your goals that align with God's purposes, those are the best kind of goals, and they will always re uh, result in great joy. The fifth thing I want to make this observation about joy is that there's great joy when you encourage others. Nobody has ever described the person who is proud, self-absorbed, self-centered to be a person of joy. Think about it. Somebody that's stuck on themselves, somebody that's really self-absorbed and focused only on themselves, their feelings, their wants, their needs, it's like a spoiled child. They're never happy. They're never satisfied because they're focused on themselves. And I think we can learn from that as children of God that need to grow up and be more mature. But the point is, is that uh, you can't be self-centered and be a, per a person of joy. Paul, the apostle, said it this way, hallelujah, uh, that, that joy is a reward for doing the right things. In Philippians 2.17, he says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Why? Because he could be an encouragement to the Philippian church. The Philippian church was tight with Paul more than any other church that he founded. The, the Philippian church was the one that was connected with him. They sent him offerings time and again. You know, in the old uh, uh, times, in the, on the Roman rule, uh, you really were left on your own uh, to survive in prison. They really didn't give you a whole lot of food. The, uh, the, the Roman Empire depended on friends and relatives to bring you food and whatever you needed, clothing if you were cold, amen, and other drinks, whatever. You know, the, the Roman Empire didn't fend for you very well at all. If you got bread and water, you were lucky. But the Philippian church sent to Paul time and again, sent to him offerings, and they sent him clothing, sent him everything he needed while he was... Two years in that prison in Rome, he was tight with the Philippian uh, church. And as a result of, 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 of him always encouraging them, well, look at Philippians 4, 8. We just read it. But if, if, whether there be any, any, any joy, whether it be any honesty or, or whatsoever is, is honest and true and pure and, and whatsoever be, is, is just, think on these things. He's encouraging them. Hallelujah. And so as he encouraged them, they encouraged him. It comes back to you. And that's one of the ways you can uh, maintain your joy, by encouraging others. You cannot focus on yourself all the time. Take some time and focus on somebody else. Amen. Look around you tonight in church and see who you can encourage. When we come to church, this is why it's important, folks, to spend some time in prayer. Why? Because, you know, when we're in prayer, we can focus on ourselves and, 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 and we can, yes, bring our, our needs and our, our troubles and, and our discouragements and, and everything that we're struggling with, leave it at the altar, leave it at the throne of God. And then when we pray through, then we can actually begin to concentrate on people around us. And that's an evangelist church. That's a church of evangelism and growth when, 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 when the people begin to be so concerned about others. Hallelujah. The question is, are we there? Well, we are in some ways. And 
But I believe that we can do better, don't you? Hallelujah. We need to be better. And uh, thank God that we can be better because the Spirit of God is in us and He helps us to be better than what we are. Amen? Hallelujah. I know I'm better than I was when I first started. Have I arrived? No. You don't see a halo on my head. I don't see one in yours either. Praise God. We're on a journey together. And, you know, we're not there yet, but we're, we're getting there one step at a time. And we're not in church because we're perfect. We're in here to, be, to get perfected. Amen. And, and this is where you get it. This is where you get perfected. You don't get perfected out there. Not in school, not in college. Oh, yeah, all they do is feed your brain. That's fine, you know. But Paul said, you know, knowledge puffs up. Builds you up in pride. You got to be careful. You got to watch it, you know. Brother T.F. Tinney warned us against all that knowledge. He said, you know, you can have as many degrees as a thermometer, not have one lick of common sense. <laughs> Amen. That's truth. Not only does it puff up, you know, you can lose your common sense. You get so lost in theories and theorems and and all kinds of man's philosophies, and you forget the most important philosophy or mindset that the world has ever come across, that the world has ever been given, and that's through the spirit of inspiration of God. Right here. This is better than any of man's philosophy. Praise the name of the Lord. But then uh, there's joy in self-respect and and the result of knowing your identity. I I mentioned some of that uh, Sunday morning. Uh, and it's not being grasshoppers, uh, but understanding that we are kings and priests in the kingdom of God. Identity is so important. And I'm not going to uh, drive that home any, any further than that, but reminding you that, that we are a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. And we are a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which hath not, which had not obtained mercy in the past, but now have obtained mercy. Aren't you glad? When we think about that, it ought to fill your heart with joy. When you think about where we used to be in darkness, we used to be lost and undone, no hope. We were far from God. We were strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, the spiritual Israel, the spiritual entity of the church. But God called us out one at a time, and he brought you to a place of repentance, a place of reconciliation with him so that he can recreate us and build us into, in, into his image from glory to glory. And what a joy that is. And I know that, that there's so many of you. I know your past, and you know mine, and you see where we came from. And what I am today is not what I was. But where I am now is not where I, I'm, I'm going to stay. I've got change to do. And, uh, and the ultimate change comes when the trumpet sounds. Amen? Praise God. Stand with me, if you will. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Last observation about joy, and that is that there's joy in working. Work, work, work. <whistles> Whistle while you work. There's a great message on that. You know, whistling is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I have to preach on that sometime. As a shepherd that whistles to the flock, signals, hallelujah, well, glory. There's joy in work. See, when, when, even in the garden before man ever fell, before God said you're going to work out of it by the sweat of your brow, you know, God gave Adam a job. Now, I want you to take this, this, this field. I want you to cultivate it. I want you to guard it. And I want you to keep it. Hallelujah. Cultivate it and guard it. And that's basically working in the field. And then when he fell, God made it a little heavier and, and, and more difficult for him. Genesis 3:19. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. And if any would not work, uh, neither should he eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. You know the Bible demands a better work ethic than our government does? God thinks that you and I ought to work. Now, it's one thing if you can't work because you're sick or you got a disability. We understand that. That's not the issue here. The issue is someone living off of support when they can work and when they should work. And I mention that because I tell you, people who, 
who don't work and don't have something to do are the most unhappiest people in the world. They are. I'm not talking about druggies. I'm talking about people that don't have a work and a job to do. When they lack purpose, when they'll have no motivation, and they, lo- they lose the joy of life. I've watched so many people, I think, you have met some as well. People who are on long-term unemployment, and unfortunately some choose that. They are the most unhappy people, dejected, depressed, discontent that I have ever met on the face of the earth. Look, God knows how he wired us. And I, I, you know, I, well, you know what the Bible says. I can't be any more direct than what the word says. If any would not work, neither should he eat. And the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread. Hallelujah. As a result, when, when they don't have a job to do, you know how the old statement says, idleness is the devil's workshop. Right, Sister Switzer? Still true. Idleness is the devil's workshop. And people, when they have, don't have a job to do, or they have just enough to survive, you know what they do? Play video games. And I'm not speaking against video games. Okay, that's not nice. But then they end up going into stuff, you know, that they shouldn't be playing. Or watching things they shouldn't be watching. Why? Because it's the natural tendency of man. We degenerate. We do. That's why we got to stay focused. That's what happened to Sodom. Ezekiel 16, 49, 50. Listen to this. And by the way, this scripture from uh, Ezekiel, God is speaking to the prophet, to his own people, Israel. And you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, you know their sins. You know why they were destroyed. It was immorality. But more than that, God didn't call their immorality uh, into focus when he, when he called the root of their problem. This is the root of their problem. Listen. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. He's talking to Israel. And call Sodom and Gomorrah Israel's sister. You're related to them. Who, me? How, how am I really? Well, Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Notice the downward spiral. It was abundance of bread. They had plenty to eat and didn't have to work for it. Why? Because you go back to Genesis 13, you'll see that even Lot and Abraham, when they separated, Lot looked and said, well, he saw the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, I'm going to go there because I don't have to worry about irrigation. I don't have to worry about green grass because whatever that water and that river floods, man, that's going to grow grass like crazy. I'm going to feed my sheep. I don't have to work hard. Hey, man, all I got to do is tend my sheep, get a few shepherds and corral these people, and I'm going to have plenty to eat just like the Sodomites. That's right. The only problem is you have a lot of time in your hand. And what are you going to use your time for? Godly things or ungodly things? Unfortunately, they say they got filled with pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. And the Bible says she didn't strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. They got so haughty and mighty. They just were so content in feeding themselves that they forgot about the less fortunate. And so the Bible says they committed abomination. That came at the end. That was the natural tendency of those who were living an easy life. And God knows how to upset the apple cart. So these people who learn to to embrace the concept of work, I'll tell you, they're the happiest people in the world. They add to themselves self-respect, self-worth, inner satisfaction, and a smiling approval of God. And above all, joy. There's joy when you work. I don't know about you, but uh, amen, I I, I like working. I I have to tell you, I love what I do. I love pastoral ministry. I loved it. Many jobs that I I did in the past, hallelujah, I gave it my very best shot. I, I enjoyed it. It helped me to be where I am today. Hallelujah. But remember it all. Nehemiah 8.1. The joy 
of the Lord is your strength. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 Sing it again. Well, the joy of the Lord. Get mad at your kids. Get mad at your wife. Get mad at your husband. Get mad at your mother-in-law. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, he wants it to get mad. But God wants you to be full of joy. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm not going to let the devil have his way. Hallelujah. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my joy. For your joy is my strength. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen. Brother Nathan Poole, come and dismiss us in prayer. Everybody say, God bless Brother Nathan. Amen. With every eye closed, every hand lifted, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your joy, for your holy presence, your Holy Spirit that dwells within us. I pray, God, as we leave this place, let that joy fill with us, overflowing so much that we be a witness to those as we come to. I praise you, Lord God, and I glorify your name for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.